0: we make everything about us you're asking the wrong question will you do it for me Lord he's not gonna do it for you he's gonna do it for him for him listen to this when you receive that release of purpose over your life when there was that when, when that revelation of purpose came into your into your life and you bought into it that you agreed into that you believe into that when you agree to that Let me tell you what you did. You became his instrument in a purpose that he has, in a task that he has, which means that if you're an instrument, it is not your responsibility. It is, you're simply an instrument. It is up to him and him doing it. It is not so that the instrument looks good, so that the instrument does well. It is so that he can receive the
1: glory. God bless you. It is a pleasure to speak to your life. I want to tell you that God has great things planned for you and that these are revealed through his word. Therefore, I encourage you to prepare your heart and to prepare your mind to hear a powerful word spoken through Pastor Richard Torres. Let's listen.
0: So we're going to continue with our series, Mighty Awakening, a mighty awakening. And this time we're going to go to Mark chapter 9 and we're going to read verse Twenty-three, Mark chapter nine, verse twenty-three. Jesus said to him, "If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes." Now I gotta say that this sounds like a beautiful, a powerful word. It, it sounds like, uh, like. I can do just about anything. I mean, that's what it says. If you believe, all things are possible. However, I feel like it's missing something. I feel like this statement is not complete. I feel like it's missing a few things in there. So I thought I would try some things to see if it would feel more real to you and to me. So it says, All things are possible. What I thought, well, let's just read it again. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So I thought that we needed to add a little bit here because it doesn't feel like it, the, the statement is finished. I feel like it's missing something. This is, of course, of course, based on how we live, how we act, how we react to things. So when I say that it doesn't feel complete, it's just based on our behavior. We know that if we believe all things are possible, But yet our behavior shows something different. So because of that, I thought we could probably add some things in here. Like, for instance, it should read like this. If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Listen to this. That is, of course, if circumstances allow it if you're not in a crisis, if the world doesn't stop moving, if you have enough money in the bank, if you have the resources needed for the task you have ahead, you see, if you have the power to do things, I feel like it is subject to how things look around us. When we read verses like this that are powerful and amazing, I feel like we treat them as if they're missing something, and that something is an if statement. If this is available, if If this allows, well, let me tell you one thing. God's word is not subject to how you and I feel. God's word is not subject to the circumstances that you have around. When he says, if you believe all things are possible, it means that all things are possible regardless of how things may feel around you or how things may not feel around you. Now, I notice that this is a little different. This is not our traditional setting. But let me tell you something, at least on my side. Um, uh, uh, A few years ago, God was preparing me for the kind of preaching that people may not enjoy. What I mean by that is when you speak the Word of God and people don't really like to hear what you're saying, what God is saying, they will not say amen. They will stay quiet. So I I believe God was preparing me for this uh, moment, for moments like this a few years ago. You see, a few years ago, I was actually preaching at a nursing home every Sunday. I think it was once a month for like seven or eight months, but it was early in the morning. So now you can imagine what it feels like to preach to the residents there. Now, this was early, somewhere around 8.30 or 9 a.m. in the morning that I was preaching to them. Well... I'll let you know, I I would give my whole heart out. I will pray, I will preach, I will just give it all. I will lay it all in there. And next thing you know is I will see some of them nodding, some of them were snoring, I would get no amens, And so what I'm trying to tell you is that even though I may not hear that you are saying anything, I want to tell you that I have a word for you, and God has something special for you today, and we will be able to experience His power. He is an amazing king. He is an amazing king. So I want to tell you that God's word is true and he will come to pass. And I want to use this beautiful story in chapter 9 to be able to show you a few things. Hopefully you can engage in the things that he's spoken about your life. Hopefully you can believe and embrace them and be moving forward towards the calling that he has in store for you. Are you with me? Amen. So I want to highlight... Uh, a few elements out of this story I want to point out a few things to you that we find in this story Uh, three elements that are present in this story now these elements seem to always go hand in hand they're always together you will see them in the different stories you see these things always working hand in hand meaning when one shows up the other shows up Um, so if the first element appears, you should expect the second element. And once the second element is there, you should experience, exercise the third And let me tell you, let me go a little little further. Coincidentally, these elements operate in the same way in your life and in my life. When the first one appears, you should expect the second one. And when the second one is there, you should exercise uh, element number three. So I'll just tell you the three elements and then we'll move forward with them going in depth on each one of them. The three elements that are present in this story that I want to highlight, that I want to use to teach you something about, you know, what's going on today in, in, in our lives and in, in ministry and in your purpose and all those things. Here's, here's the three elements that we find in this story. Purpose, crisis, and faith. Purpose, crisis, and faith. We find this elements in this story, and we also find this elements in your life and in my life they are part of life they are connected to one another let me tell you if you did not know this there is purpose in your life there is purpose in your life and because there is purpose in your life you will experience crisis now when you experience this crisis you should remember to exercise your faith so let's go into each one of them and let's start with the first one. First element purpose purpose i know you've heard about it many times so let's go to verse 2 in the same chapter mark chapter 9 verse 2 now after six days jesus took peter james and john and let them up on a high mountain apart by themselves and he was transfigured before them and he was transfigured before them just that by itself sounds like a supernatural experience something amazing it sounds like what christians call a mountaintop experience a supernatural experience now at the fact that elijah was there moses was was there i'm telling you this was a supernatural experience without a doubt so you may say well pastor then why don't you call this element a supernatural experience maybe you can even call it a mountaintop experience after all It seems like it is a supernatural experience. Uh, 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 At least to me, that's what jumps out of this text, you may say. And, And I agree with you. When we read this portion of the scripture, this first part of this chapter, that's what jumps out, a supernatural experience, an amazing experience, if you like to say. And that's exactly our problem. That's our problem. You see we're always looking to experiences we're always seeking experiences we're always moved by feelings and emotions and how this feels and how that feels i want to experience that i want to experience this i want to see how, what it feels like i want to see what it sounds like you see we're always going after these things that is why this jumps at us when we whenever we read this story and i that said that's our problem let me explain why I think that's our problem. You see, because we're always expecting to have these things, experience these moments, these emotions, these feelings. But let me explain something to you. The reason why we have an encounter with divinity, with God, the reason why we have these experiences that you call supernatural, that you call amazing, the reason why we have these experiences it's not so that you can experience, so that you can witness, so that you can feel, so that you can see something supernatural. You see, the supernatural that we experience in these encounters it's just due to the nature of the encounter. It is impossible for you to have an encounter with God, with the Most High God, and not experience something supernatural around you or inside of you. It it, it is just natural for your body to react that way, whether this is jumping, whether this is crying, whether this is doing whatever it is that you do when you experience something supernatural. But you see, the end of that meeting encounter, it's not so that you can have an experience experience with God, or you can experience feelings or emotions. The reason for that encounter is so that there will be a releasing of purpose over your life. Let me say it again. The purpose of a supernatural experience with God is not that you experience amazing things. Oh, yes, I love how this feels. I I love this feeling of His presence. You see, that's why Peter said, hey, let's stay here. I know we want to stay in His presence. I know it is amazing to feel His presence. But that is not why we have an encounter with God, to feel something with Him. The reason why we have an encounter with God is so that there will be a release a release of purpose in our lives. The reason for that supernatural experience is so that there will be a release of purpose in your life. You see, Peter, in the book of Acts, had an amazing experience. He had a supernatural experience. It is said, it is described as a trance, ecstasies. That's what he experienced. Now, let me tell you this. That was a supernatural experience. But the experience was not so that he could feel good, so that he could uh, be high, if you want to use that word. The experience was not so that he would have something to talk about his friends or to his friends about the experience. The experience that he had was so that there could be a release of purpose over his life. You see, in the midst of that experience of those feelings, the important thing was not how he felt, was not what he experienced. The important thing was the message that was given to him, which was releasing purpose into his life. You have to understand this. Every time you see a supernatural experience in the Bible, there is a release of purpose. Why do you think it would be any different for you? Why do you think it's okay or normal for you to experience something amazing, but there will be no release of purpose over your life? This is what I'm saying. When you say that you had a mountaintop experience, that you experienced something supernatural in your life, if there was no releasing of purpose during that experience, if there was no releasing of purpose over your life, all you had was a party with your emotions. If you said you had a mountaintop experience, if you said you had a supernatural experience in, in, in your life, and it was amazing, and you got these feelings, and you felt that, and you felt this, but if there is no releasing of purpose over your life, all you had was a party with your emotions. See, this is probably what, this, what that looks like. You're in his presence, and it is amazing to heal him. Feel his presence. You may start crying. Some people may start laughing. They can't stop laughing because of his presence. Some others start jumping, some others shout in a weird way, or everybody reacts different to his presence. But you see, every time you have a divine encounter with God, there will be a release of purpose over your life. Excuse me. What this means, simply what this means is that God is speaking to you. About your purpose. Excuse me. And it doesn't mean that you get a new purpose. It just means he's revealing new things towards your purpose, about your purpose, about your life. So, this is what that looks like you are in his presence, you're crying, you're in the altar. You're almost losing control of yourself because of his power and his glory over that place in that moment. And all of a sudden, you get a thought that says you should stop dating that person. Or that thought says you should stop watching those kind of movies. You should, you should stop listening to that kind of music. You should stop having those conversations. You see, this thought comes into your mind and it, it's almost like a mood killer. It kills the mood because all of a sudden you're you're not really in the mood of crying anymore. It kind of like ruined the moment. It, it, it wants to almost make you say to God, Lord, can. We Can we just continue with your presence in the moment? Can we talk about that later? You see, that's what we do with experiences. We want the experiences of God, but the experiences are not the purpose of the meeting with God. That is just a consequence of dealing with the kind of God that we deal. The purpose of the meeting is so that He can reveal things to you, things that will make you uh, grow, things that will make you change the way that you live, things that will make you move forward and not backwards. I don't know, but I think you're not saying amen. I hope you're saying amen. Kent, see, maybe you can comment something in there. So, purpose. You see, we we see experiences and we care for those. Be careful that you're not seeking experiences with God. Make sure that what you're seeking is his purpose for your life. That you want to hear what he has to say and not just get all emotional in his presence. Make sure that you listen when he's correcting your life, when he's changing things around you. Now, we have a supernatural experience with God that brings a revelation. That's what a mountaintop experience should be. Receiving from God a revelation that has the ability to change your life—not just experiencing something that will leave you in the same place where you were before—it has to have the revelation from God. Now, if you want to have this revelations, this releasing of uh, prosper, uh, excuse me, of uh, uh, purpose in your life, you should be able to seek him in such a way by that i mean that go to the mountain go to the top of the mountain and seek god in such a way that he can speak to you you see the reason why i say that is because god usually speaks to us in elevated places by that i don't mean anything weird i just simply mean a place where you walk away from the noise around you just like a mountain There's not a lot of people out there. There's not many things going on around you. So find your way isolated from the things of this world so that God can speak into your life. But the problem that we have is that we want a mountaintop experience with him. We do. The problem is that we want that experience while we are in the valley. What I'm saying is that we want to be able to hear that revelation, but we're not willing to shut anything off around us so that we can listen to what he has in store or what he has to say for us. Go to the mountain. You see, there is purpose in your life. There is purpose in your life. And when you receive this release of purpose over your life, we get into the second element. I don't know how we're doing. We're doing good on time. We get into this second element. So let's go to verse 14. When they came down from the mountain, when they came down from the mountain, when they came down from the mountain, verse 14, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing, With them, Okay, so let's look at this image. I already told you what the three elements that we were going to be looking into were. The first one is purpose. And we see how there is purpose whenever we meet with God. If we're not just so focused on the experience.
1: I hope God has been speaking to your life through this message. The desire of Bethesda Church and Pastor Richard is to change lives through love. And we are very grateful for the opportunity that this medium allows us to reach multitudes. If you would like to continue listening to more messages from our pastor or to know more about this ministry, look for us online at mybethesta.org or on facebook.com slash mybethesta. Thank you.
0: In that experience that they had, Jesus revealed to them what was going to happen to him about his death and resurrection. So there is a releasing of purpose every time we have an encounter with God. Don't just seek for experiences. But when they came down from that glorious moment of purpose or of release of purpose, when they received that from God, they came down into a crisis. That's what it was. It was a crisis. There were, people were being loud. They were upset. They were, they were arguing. There was a dispute going on. There was a crisis down there. It's, it's interesting that many, many times you go seek God. You go to a men's camp. You go uh, uh, to a conference. You go, you go find God. You go to the mountain to hear from God. And once you reach the bottom of the mountain, you notice there is crisis all around you second element let me tell you this every time there is a revelation of purpose in your life you should expect a crisis let me say it again every time there is a revelation of purpose in your life you should expect a crisis it doesn't fail it doesn't fail i believe this is what i believe i believe that this season for our nation, for the world, I believe that there has been a great revelation of purpose in this season. So you should expect a kind of crisis like the one we're experiencing right now. Because of the releasing of purpose in the life of a man of God, a woman of God, there will always be crisis that comes because of that. Every time you hear God speak into your life, purpose expect a crisis pastor it shouldn't be that way you know it should be that while i am experiencing this supernatural experience with god that god should be dealing with the things around my life that cause chaos. The things around my life that create a mess. The things are around my life that are prov- problematic. And, I, and I, I would want to agree with you that it should be that way. But let me tell you that God does deal with those things. But not in the time or manner that you and I expect him to. Every time there is a revelation of purpose, you should expect crisis. And let me tell you why. Let's consider this scenario that i'm going to paint to you okay you are in your house in your ministry in your career you know in your job whatever it is your business whatever it is and you go up to the mountain to meet with god to have a supernatural encounter you want to have a supernatural experience so there is a release of purpose over your life okay so now You receive that purpose over your life. There is a release of purpose, revelation over your life. This new revelation that you got from God, when you come down from the mountain, would put you in a difficult place. This revelation that you received, this purpose that was released into your life, would put you in a complicated place. You see, because prior to this revelation that you received from God, certain things in your life didn't bother you. Certain things in your life were not problematic for you. Certain friendships, certain relationships, you know, just the the environment around you was not chaotic. Everything seemed okay. So you may be excited about the change in your life, but things around you are not. Do you think your friends are going to be really excited when you tell them that you're no longer hanging out with them? You think they're going to be like, oh, that's amazing that you want to do better things in your life. That it's amazing that you want to change the way that you do things, that change your life. Oh, we support you. No, they're not going to act that way. They will be upset. You will experience crisis even with your own family. When they see that God has a purpose over your life, it will clash with the lifestyle that they have around you, with the lifestyle that you used to have with your old life. So it is almost natural that after a revelation from God, after a, a, an awakening from God in your life, it is natural that you should experience a crisis because things should not be able to continue the same way. You should not be okay watching the same things. You should not be okay with some of the habits that you had before. All of that happens because of the releasing of purpose over your life. I'm so glad you're not around here because I'm, looks like everybody would be showered by anyways go on let me tell you purpose in your life will cause crisis to come into your life that's just how it works every single time every single time now when we talk about this crisis, you may say, Well, I don't know, Pastor. Let me tell you about Moses. Moses was up in the mountain as well. And uh, guess what? He was doing guess what he was receiving from god was god was releasing purpose for his people for his nation it was not just something insignificant it was a big deal this nation did not have an identity god was releasing his purpose to them that is why when moses came down he found that huge crisis because this people listened this people did not know who they were going to be and what God what Moses was bringing was a, a a release of purpose from God this is who you are this is how you're going to act this is what you will not do this is what you will do this is how you will do it you see he brought all of this uh, revelation of purpose for their life and he clashed with what they wanted to do with how they were they were feeling and how they wanted to do things so it is almost natural for you to experience crisis because of the purpose that is in your life it clashes with reality when you hear a revelation from god it clashes with your reality and it causes a crisis now let me tell you just a few things about crisis just a couple of things i want to share with you about crisis the first one a crisis is not a crisis until it messes with your purpose a crisis is not a crisis until it may messes with your purpose now i don't know if you know this you probably do but this virus that is going on around started months ago it started months ago and it didn't become a crisis for you and i until it actually threatened our purpose you see a crisis is not a crisis until it messes with a purpose, meaning the, the feelings that you get, the emotions, what you experience because of a crisis, it's not a crisis until it messes with your purpose. And listen, I want you to pay attention to this because this is key. What you do when a crisis comes it, 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 sometimes is not reasonable. Sometimes it's not okay. Sometimes it's not good. But because it's messing with your purpose, we do some of those things. And we find it that, that, that now, because it's messing with our purpose, it is okay to do some of those things. Let me explain it w- in a different way. I have two kids. One is nine years old, and the other one is three years old. And let me tell you, when I say that a, me- a-, a-, a crisis is not a crisis until it messes with your purpose, let me, let me just show, you to, so- show it to you right now. My son, the three-year-old, The three-year-old. Do you think that he is experiencing any type of crisis right now? Do you think he's experiencing the crisis that we're experiencing right now? No. Not even when the toilet paper is out, he will be experiencing a crisis. You see, it's not that he doesn't have a purpose. It's that his purpose is not found the same way that yours and mine is. His purpose, according to him, and now listen to this, when his purpose is threatened, that crisis, man, I'm telling you, it changes things around. You see, what is his purpose? His purpose is it's getting up in the morning and quickly finding something to entertain himself with. Toys, he's got a little project here, there, whatever it is that he's going to do. So when, when something threatens his purpose, then he has a crisis, and we all get to hear about it. We all get to experience the crisis that he has. So why am I telling you this about the crisis? Why am I telling you that the that, that crisis is not a crisis until it messes with your purpose? Because, you see, I wanted to connect crisis and purpose. You see, the crisis threatens our purpose, our destiny. So now we find ourselves with fear. What are we going to do? How is this going to get better? How are we going to do what we were created to do? Let me just tell you a little secret. A crisis is not designed to challenge your purpose, but your character. Listen to this. A crisis is not designed to challenge your purpose, but your character. A crisis cannot destroy your purpose. For you to think that a crisis can destroy your purpose would would, would be for you to say that God doesn't have the power to be able to accomplish the things that he's promised over your life, over your kids, over your family, over your loved one. You see, a crisis does not have the ability to destroy your purpose. Unfortunately, it does have the ability to distract us, to mess with our character. Miles Rose said this, a crisis does not come to conclude your life. It comes to give it credibility. A crisis does not come to conclude your life. It comes to give it credibility. Now, let me tell you, he didn't say a crisis. I changed that word. He said a test. A test doesn't come into your life to conclude it. It comes to give it credibility. And I actually believe that's what it does. A crisis does not have the ability to destroy your purpose. So don't fear for what is going on around you. Don't fear for what is going on around you. It seems a little crazy, but listen, God created you for a purpose. There are great things in store that you will have to be able to experience. Your kids, everyone around you. The, the crisis is not designed to destroy your purpose I don't know where I heard that no weapon form against me will prosper Listen, no crisis formed against you will prosper the only problem is if you allowed fear to take over fear to dictate what you do and how you do instead think outside the box who knows Your name may be out there among all the inventors that created things in the midst of crisis. No crisis has the ability to destroy your purpose. So when a crisis comes, don't quit. Instead, hold on to what God has said about you. Hold on to the things that God has in store for you. Now, I know I'm running out of time, but I thought I will tell you that I have two things on my favor today. Because of how we're doing church today, there are two things that are on my favor. Number one is that I have no one telling me that my time is up. And number two, you have nowhere to go. So we can stay here for as long as we want to. Just kidding. I have a second service starting in just a little bit. So let me just talk about a little bit on this third element. This third element, as we know, is faith. Faith is this third element. And that one is taking us back to the same verse where we started. This is where we are right now, okay? We talked about purpose. We talked about crisis. Now let's bring everything together. This is where we are right now. And this is where you will find yourself many times in your life. You constantly will find yourself in this situation. You will go once and you will go again and you will go again. This is what I mean. At different stages in our lives, God releases purpose to us, He releases something to us. There is a release of purpose in our lives. So you go to a conference. You go, to, you go to a church service, you go to a men's camp, or whatever it is that you go to. And then you are reminded that God has great things in store for you. You're reminded of all the things that you can accomplish. You hear the plans that God has in store for you. You hear how special you are. You see, there is a releasing of purpose in your life. Now, that's great. The bad thing is that the people that you are dealing with, in the day, in day-to-day day uh, efforts, day-to-day you know, situations, those people are not there to hear how amazing and how wonderful are the things that God has in store for you. They're not there. They didn't get the memo. So when you come down from the mountain, from that conference, from that place where you had an amazing experience with God and you received revelation, when you come down from that mountain, guess what you find? You find a crisis. And I'm telling you, this can go from just an amazing Sunday at church. As you get home, man, you get to experience the crisis. You get to experience the crisis. I was going to say, if you're married, you know what that feels like. But no one's here to laugh, so I don't know if that would be funny anyways. So let's just move on. So when you come home, now you find a crisis crisis whatever home means ministry work whatever that is now verse 23 let's see how we are to deal with this crisis jesus said to him if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes now i love the answer of this man i love how he answers Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And I believe this is where we get stuck. I believe this is where purpose and crisis get stuck. Where, where many times we don't pass this element into the next one, which is the fulfillment of the things that God has in store for us. It doesn't, doesn't even make sense. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How, how does that even work? Is it, a mock, an, is it an oxymoron? What is that? How is it that I can believe and don't believe at the same time? The reason why I think we have comments like this, and I believe that this is actually very, um, this is something that you and I can identify with. Because many times we find ourselves in this process, Lord, I know. I heard your purpose over my life. I know I heard it. I felt it deep inside here. I heard your voice. I know that's what you said about me. I know that's what you said about my marriage. I know that's what you said about my kids. I know that's what what you said about my children. I know that those are the promises that you said for me. But then we are in the middle of the crisis. And we find ourselves doubting. I believe but then I don't believe. I believe, but then help my unbelief. It's something that we all can identify with. And let me, let me tell you what this, what this was really saying, what, this meant, what I believe this meant was saying at the moment. You know, humans, we have the ability to com- compartmentalize, that, that, to put different things in different places, to put information here and then put information here that don't touch with each other, like if there are two different things. We have that ability. And I believe that that's what this man was doing with God. He was categorizing God in two different boxes. He was putting God in one box here and he was putting God in a different box here let's examine the first box the first box says God alone and so he says I believe what he was saying is God I know that you have the power I know that you have the authority I know that you are all knowing I know there is nothing impossible for you Lord I know that you are capable of opening the Red Sea I know that you are capable of raising somebody from the dead I know that you are capable of doing amazing miracles there is no doubt in my heart in my mind that you can do amazing things we all know that we all believe that that's why we're here that's why we come and worship because we we believe that there is a living God we believe that there is an amazing God we believe that there is a God capable of healing cancer we believe that there is a God capable of restoring marriages we believe we believe this box of God alone there is no doubt that God is powerful that's not our problem Our problem is in the second box, in the second category. God and me. God in regards of me. That's where things get difficult. We all struggled at one point with the situation. We have no doubt that God can do it. The unbelief comes from believing if he's going to do it for us or not. God, I I have no doubt that you can do that. My problem is, will you do it for me? I have no doubt, God, that you can show up and restore a marriage. I have no doubt that you can have your way and do things as you please. The problem I have is, will you do that for me? You see, I've seen God restore marriages. I've seen God restore ministries. I've seen God do miracles. My challenge is, will he do it for me? Now, you may act all holy, like you have it all figured out. But I believe we all find ourselves in situations like that. Because we all have a past that the enemy keeps reminding us of. We don't know if we're doing everything that the other person did. Maybe, maybe they fast more days. Maybe they cried out to you longer. Maybe they sought you harder. You know, Maybe they went after you with everything inside of them. Maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe I'm not seeking you. Maybe I'm not doing this. Maybe I didn't behave correctly. Maybe I was not obedient. You see, we have all these things in our heads that causes us to say, Help, my unbelief. Will you do it for me? will you do it for me? There is no doubt that you can do it. The question is, will you do it for me? Let me tell you one thing. That's the wrong question. And that's the problem that we have. That's what causes us to have unbelief. Lord, will you do it for me? We make everything about ourselves. Everything has to be about us. If we're reading a book and we don't identify it, we don't identify with it, we don't read it, we're not interested in it. If we're looking at a picture and we're not in it, we don't spend too much time in it. We make everything about us. You're asking the wrong question. Will you do it for me, Lord? He's not going to do it for you. He's going to do it for him. For him. Listen to this. When you receive that release, of purpose over your life when there was that when when that revelation of purpose came into your into your life and you bought into it that you agreed into that you believe into that when you agree to that let me tell you what you did. You became his instrument in a purpose that he has, in a task that he has, which means that if you're an intr- instrument, it is not your responsibility. It, is, it You're simply an instrument. It is up to him. And him doing it, it is not so that the instrument looks good, so that the instrument does well. It is so that he can receive the glory. So the question is not, will you do it for me? The, the, what you have to know is that he will do it for him because he will receive the glory so you should not have any doubts that god will be able to do what he promised to do so all you have to do is be available be available whenever he wants to use you believe believe in the purpose that he has given you and when the crisis comes don't quit just believe that it is not your responsibility but his all you have to do is be available all you have to do is be available Listen, I'm, I'm finished. I'm finished. I just wanted to tell you that in life, you will always be dealing with these three things. Purpose. Trying to find who you are. And God gives us a glimpse of who we are. But it's too broad. So we keep having moments with him where he releases purpose. And every time that happens, It's like a crisis comes around us. Some of those in the natural, some of those in the spiritual, but no doubt that a crisis, a crisis, it's threatened our purpose. That's why it feels like a crisis. Believe today. Believe. Believe it will change how you behave. It will change how you do things when you believe that God will have his way in your life it will change how you do things it will change how you talk it will change how you walk it will change everything about you believe i'm closing with this i will tell you to go ahead and stand but you're home and you're comfortable and i'm okay with that but i will ask you to come to the altar yes i'm asking you to come to the altar i know that you're not here but here's the thing an altar is not a physical place. An altar is a condition of the heart. A condition of the heart that is willing to sacrifice something inside of you. Listen, God has a great purpose for you. In circumstances around you, crises around you, come to mold your character. So that now you can have credibility. How you behave in crisis, in difficult times. Are you blaming everybody? Are you complaining? Or are you staying believing that God will do amazing things with the right attitude? Believing that God will have his way. So right where you are, I will ask you to come to the altar. Which means just simply a condition of your heart. That you're willing to start sacrificing things inside of you that are not pleasing to him. And I want to pray for you. Father, I worship and I thank you. I bless these people I bless everyone that is watching today God those that watched for a little bit bless them bless everyone God around our community God in our church God these are difficult times it's complicated God don't allow the faith of those that love you to waver but instead let them see that it is because of their purpose that we experience, experience crises in our lives and help us to hold on to the things that you've spoken over us. God, I magnify your name. I bless you and I thank you and I pray for this congregation and for those watching. I pray for those friends, God, that are watching today. Bless them, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, we love you. And it was it was. It was a tremendous blessing to have the opportunity to share this word with you. We serve an amazing God. We serve an amazing God. And this crisis will not destroy your purpose. It will only empower your character. Thank you. God bless you.
1: I hope you have enjoyed this message. And if one day you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and would like to visit, our address is 71001 Airport Freeway, Richland Hills, Texas, 76118. We would love to meet you. If you have any requests and would like for us to pray for you, you can call us at 817-427-0010 and leave a voice message. Contact us and let us know your comments. Once again, you can give us a call at 817-427-0010 or write us an email to info at mybethesta.org.